Praise God. God is definitely doing and saying something to each of us in this season. Amen. Amen. God's spirit is stirring around the world now more than he has in years past. I think people have come out of a media stupor uh, of, of being fed whatever they're being fed electronically. And I think they're finally coming to a place of being fed up and they've gone back to falling on their face and crying out that God changed some things, put some things in the proper order and proper perspective and help us to get through this time in our lives to what you would have for us to do. Amen? We, 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 uh, Randy's talking about uh, uh, missions and doing the different things of the Lord and, and how you can be a part of all those things. And there's many different ways. I encourage you first and foremost to get out there, even if you don't know how to do anything. Even if you've never prayed for somebody other than yourself, you'll learn and you'll see God do amazing things when, when, you're, when, when you're in a place of sacrifice. Amen. Amen. And so I want to encourage you with that to, uh, to get engaged in that. Oh, what I really want to talk about was what Randy said, the uh, evangelism class. Not all of us are evangelists. Some, for some of us, it's terrifying. For some people, it's super easy, and yet they, they can't put together a message on Sunday, but they could win countless people to God just by revealing Jesus to them. But it's important that we know the tools of evangelism. Amen. Amen. You need to study up on your apologetics, and I don't want to get all into Bible college right now or, or seminary, but apologetics is something that we should know as Christians. Why you believe what you believe. That, because if you're going to win somebody from another faith to the Lord, they're going to ask you something that you may have to have an answer for. And so I encourage you. It's a, it's a good tool to get into your toolbox. Amen? Doesn't mean that you're anointed to do it as a ministry, but you know what? You might meet somebody at the, at the gas station or at the restaurant, and they just happen to be going through something, and it's just a simple tool to open the door up and present him. And it's worth it because the door was opened up to you. Right? It was revealed to you. And once it was revealed to you, it was something that you possessed. And now it's something that you can freely give away. Amen? Yes. Amen. Well, I, Scott, Pastor Scott asked me a month or so, two months ago, to, to, to cover him for this weekend so they can get out of town. And not doing this every week anymore, it's, it's a little different when you're in the weekly position of pastoring. You're going from one week to the next. You're going in your series or you're going... Uh, or, you, or you have a, a, a certain set, set of scriptures or a book that you're hanging on and there's so much there and it's a little easier to keep the motor running, you know. Or, but when you're not in, and you're not doing this uh, every day, all week, um, you still get the downloads of things that you want that you're hearing from God. God, tell me, what are you saying? What are you speaking to me? What do you want me to say to the people? Because I don't want to come to you with a canned message. I don't want to come to you with something that's, that's not fresh. That's not, God's not speaking to us right now about And now I lost my place. <laughs> so I, I asked the Lord, Lord, well, what is it that you would have me to speak about? And so since, from that time until this last 10 days or so, there's been a few things banging around in my pinball machine. And uh, I finally narrowed it down as I began to ask quietly. And I just heard the Lord say to keep moving. Keep moving. We're, we're, we're crying out for God's presence to be manifested in our church and in our region for an outpouring, for a change, a transformation, a, a, a renewal, a, uh, a revival. But when we want a revival, we first have to acknowledge that something needs to be revived. 
And if we've been given such a precious gift that needs to be revived, then we first should say, well, Lord, forgive us for not keeping it alive to begin with and for allowing our phones and our media and our governments and our politicians and our life situations to tweak our perspective sometimes. You know what I mean? And we kind of get off track and we, 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 we want things to, to be a certain way, but instead, why don't we just let God do it his way? Because what we're seeing around the world is when God brings his spirit at a greater measure to revivals, is a better term for it, I guess. It starts out with just a, peop, a hunger in the people. They're not really necessarily looking for a revival. They're looking for more of God. Amen. And then when they're full, then what happens? Then there's a spilling out, and it starts affecting the people in the foyer, and it starts affecting the people in the parking lot, and then it starts affecting the neighbors around the, the given ministry of what's going on where God's presence is being welcomed. And so uh, what we see is uh, 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 a reviving of a region, and it just starts off with a hunger. Because if we're just crying for revival, then all we're crying out for is an experience. And I've had a ton of them. And I've had life-shattering, life-changing experiences. But if I don't remain in that place then I can easily fall into just being me, right? That doesn't mean I'm any less of a Christian or I'm any less of a son. It just means that there's times when I get close and there's times when I willingly pull back. But God is not a God of, he doesn't pull back, Never. ever, ever, never. Why is it that so many Christians fall away from their faith or, or take a step back or take a season back? Why do we do that? See, that's, that's not God's desire. And then when we're away from God and the, 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 the world or our life hit, uh, hits the proverbial fan, all of a sudden now we're saying, where's God? Where's God? And it's almost like we have to go back to the place where we left him. But the problem is, it's we that left him. It's not him that left anywhere. Right. Amen. Amen? And so I, I heard the Lord saying, keep moving, keep moving. Now I want you all right now, because I want to be a little bit more exuberant this morning, um, I want you all to turn to each other, and as if you were saying it, it was a life and death situation, you're going to tell somebody, you have to keep moving. Go ahead. Turn to somebody. You've got to keep moving. You've got to get on your feet. You've got to move. Move, heifer. Move, heifer. Right? Move, heifer. Medical science tells us that it's an important factor for our overall health, physical health and well-being. To exercise. Amen? Amen? A body in motion stays in, in motion. If we, if we are stagnant, if we are, if we are uh, sitting in a stable place, we sit in a place of, 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 of stationary position for too long, what happens? Hips get sore, get standing up, <sighs> got to kind of loosen everything up, tweak the hips out a little bit, your neck, your arms, all of it. Why? Because we're stationary. You take a long car drive, you get about Fresno, you got to get out, stretch your legs. See, that same truth is true both in the natural and in the spiritual. Amen? Amen. See, moving from point A to point B requires motion. Amen? It requires us to leave a place of our stationary position and then through motor skills and functions, we get into motion. We get moving. It's a verb. Maybe. I don't know. 
Sounds good. See, movement is evidence that there is still life. Because there will come a day when all of us will never move this body this way again. Amen? Hopefully it will be that blink of an eye, quick, where I'm just all of a sudden perfect. I leave life and I step into perfection. But there is still a death. That still has to happen. The Bible says that every man will know death. So then what happens when the Lord returns and all the dead arise in Christ and we go from death to life? I don't know. It's going to be pretty radical. I hope I recognize myself. <laughs> Amen? And where there is life, there is hope. And where there is hope, there is the potential for miracles, signs, and wonders. You are a walking testimony of miracles, signs, and wonders. Every one of you. It doesn't matter who you are or how you are or where you came from or your pedigree or your background or your intellect or your knowledge of anything. You are a vessel and a tool for the Lord's hand to release miracles, signs, and wonders in your world, in your universe, in your sphere of oversight. Amen? If you have your Bible this morning, please open it to the book of Ezekiel. Sorry, I've been a little under the weather the last couple days, and I'm not feeling out of it today, so feeling a little woozy. So, uh, in Ezekiel 47, there's a lot to hammer out. There's probably weeks worth of messages in just this chapter alone, but I want to only touch on a small, a small portion of Scripture, and I believe it will bring things together for us today. Before I start reading, I, I like to kind of, because I don't do this that much, I, I'm always praying during a time of preparation that the worship team, the ministers who are, who are blessing us through that, entering, helping us to enter into the presence of God. You know, that's what they're here to do. They're not here to entertain us. They're not. I, and I think it's, it's horrible if we put that on them, like they, 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 couldn't, they couldn't play out of a white paper bag kind of attitude, like they should have been doing this better or that better. It's, it's a, what, <laughs> their, their job is one of the toughest. It's, I always look at them as the person in the movie theater back in the day. Most, some of you younger people never remember an usher in the movie theater. But sometimes in the movie theater, there was a young man or woman with a flashlight, and they would take you down to open seats, and they would shine the light in the aisle and say, hey, you move down. You too. Betty, move over. Rick, one, two, three, four. Spread it open. Get people in there. It's a tough job because now you're taking, we're coming from a place of our life, and we're coming in here, and these ministers are having, in a short window of time, are having to usher us into the Lord's presence. Amen. Amen? Their job is to usher us. They're, they're helping us get there. Come on, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. That's why it's so important for us to lay everything at the door. Yeah. Don't come in here with, 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 only come in here with an expectation of change for your good. Amen? So I've been, I always pray that the worship team and the message that I believe the Lord's giving to me, right, that's all by faith. It's going to meld, it's going to jive, it's going to sound coherent, it's going to sound cohesive, it's going to overlay itself, it's going to paint a picture, it's going to weave a tapestry of what you're trying to say to us every day, or what you're trying to say to us today, excuse me. And um, again, <laughs> he's faithful. Um, I didn't talk to anybody about anything about this message, and uh, I know God spoke through it. to it. He spoke 
through the word of the ministry to this morning, through both James and Sean. He spoke through our worship profoundly, and so I just have ink on paper, and I get to try to bring it all together, right? I get to Kung Fu Elvis all together. <laughs> anyway, um, can you do me a favor? Uh, no, you know, Randy, can you pull the scripture, the, the verse up from the song that I brought up first service? You don't got to do it now, just... Uh, Anyway, starting in Ezekiel, back to what's important here. Uh, Ezekiel 47, starting in verse 1, it says, In my vision, the man brought me to the ent- back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Now, when we read prophetic scripture, I'm just saying this as a side note, there's a lot of things, that, there's a lot of symbols and images and different things. And, and usually this is where God's trying to give, uh, he's trying to give a, a big picture with a little image. Amen? And so when we're reading these scriptures, when we're reading these things, we're just trying to kind of grab a hold of what God's saying and what his nature is in each one of these things. And what, what, what does all of this mean to us? How do we interpret the altar, the stream, the throne, the temple, the right, the east, the south? It's all, there's a purpose for all of it. God has perfectly ordained everything in these scriptures for a reason, of which I could spend hours breaking down, but we don't want to go there. So he says, The man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet and the river was too deep to cross. To walk across, excuse me. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty water of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. And there will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Amen? So you see here in Ezekiel 47, this is a powerful revelation about how this stream became a river. I am. Thank you. Uh, Not because there's more water. And this is where I really like to go with this this morning. It's not because there's more water that it starts from a stream and flows into a river or because of the force of the water or because God just willed to open it up and keep it small. It was all because of Ezekiel's proximity or his perception, what he saw. Amen? Amen. What he saw. This morning we were, we've heard the ministry of the Spirit there is the, let's, let's not shrink back. 
right? It's bigger than you think. Don't, don't base your life on what you see or what you think you see or what you think you know. That's only what you know is only what you know, right? Ignorance doesn't mean that you're unable to ever attain. It just means that you just don't know. So you can't say you know if you don't know. Thank you. Sorry, that little LED light is quite a hamburger light. I don't know how Pastor Scott can handle that thing. Good Lord. It's just a perception of what Ezekiel saw. See, the same is true for us. It's through or by proximity that we experience God's presence. Amen? How we experience His power, how we experience His glory. It's based on proximity. If I spend six, six and three quarters days of the week outside of God's presence and I come in this room, I probably wouldn't feel Him here either because I didn't give 10 seconds any other time of the week to feel Him. Amen. Right? My, my proximity and my perception is very small. Right? It's like living in Google Maps, not living on the street view. See, I want you to pay special attention to where this river comes from or where it came from. It came from the temple. And the temple represents the place where God lives. Amen? And it symbolizes His presence. You know, I, I, I'm sure for the, these people who had to put on paper everything that they saw in these visions. Some of them were words they just had to create. They had to create a word to fit best because their world was much smaller than the world that they were seeing. Amen? When they talk about a throne, that's all they can really say it was, a throne. It was so glorious that it was, and it was so encompassed that everything centered around it and it was where God was. And how did they know? They just knew, right? So when we see here, that this says that this, this temple, this place where this river flowed from, the source of this water came from his temple and flowed under the door. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. It, flowed, it flowed under the door. Jesus is the door into the Father's house. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. He is the door to the Father's house and to the Father's presence. Yeah. Amen? No man comes to the Father except through the Son. Hallelujah. Amen? This is what's really beautiful. If you simply break that down right there, if we want to get into God's presence, we receive Jesus Christ. We get to go into the throne room. Amen? We have access. But what happens behind us when we step through? There's still a, a flow of water that comes from the throne and blesses everything. That's just a side note. That just came to me. I think that's awesome has nothing to do with me. I don't get to God's presence except through Jesus. But the rest of the universe gets the glory that pours forth from it and brings life. That's awesome. Thank you, Lord. See, if you don't come through the door, Jesus said that you are a thief and a robber. You don't get to circumnavigate into the throne. You don't get to tap into some weird astral projection and some uh, uh, transcendental meditation to get in the spirit you can and you will and you will find things there that you do not like <laughs> because you have to have the correct access amen, amen. you have to come through this into the presence of the, the spirit the spirit through the door which is Christ Jesus otherwise you're a thief and a robber meaning you're poking around in things that you 
shouldn't be. Wow. Amen. Then notice that the river issued or flowed out from under the right side of the altar. The altar is a place of surrender. We fashion our churches kind of have a front and altar area. We even call them an altar. It's really not, right? Because we're the altar, right? We're, we're the sacrifice. We're the walking altar. We, everywhere we go, we're living a sacrifice to God, right? Through our sacrifice of worship and praise. But we do this because it helps us at times get closer. To get closer, we'll see people run to the front and kneel down. I've got to have you. I've got to have you change me. I've got to have you transform me. There's nothing wrong with that. That's the most beautiful thing that they can do. But you can also do that at home. You can do it in your car. Amen? When you need God, you can go to the altar, the place of sacrifice. See, the altar is a place where we crucify self. The altar is where our wills, this is what Sean was saying, this is what, and she didn't know my message. This is where our wills, our plans, and our desires must die. We must die to ourself. Otherwise, the Christ life cannot manifest. See, and I, and I don't want to jump too far ahead. This isn't just something that, this isn't a, a, a club. Amen. Right? It's not a club. And I'm not saying that because not everybody's welcome. We're all welcome. God's purpose in all of this is to transform us. Amen. To change us. You can be changed for the better doing it differently, different ways. And it's an earthly way, and you might feel great and have a great life and do everything's great, but you're not getting the benefit of him. Right. See, just as Moses had to remove his shoes from his feet in order to fulfill his assignment, Moses didn't even know what the bush was. But the Lord told him to take his shoes off. Why? Because this is, you, you have to let go of you. You have to let go of some things. The altar is where we remove our shoes of personal ambition and self-will so we can embrace our divine destiny in Christ. Moses could not have fulfilled his purpose that God had for him had he not humbled himself and began to listen to what the Lord was telling him. And then in his humanness, see this was a, this was a conversion process for Moses, right? He was being converted at that moment. He went from being converted to committed. There's the process of letting go of self. There is a byproduct of dying to self, and that's called glorification in Christ. Amen? See, to put it bluntly, the altar is a place where the old man dies so that the new man in Christ can live. This is, this is tough for, for people, especially in this generation, to let go of the life that they were living, although it was a miserable life at times and filled with destruction and loss of self. It's so hard to let go of, of what you miserably can control and give it to God. Don't we enjoy at times in this life, we enjoy miserably controlling things. It's our humanity. It's our flesh. We try to miserably control and we, for some reason, we fight to do it. We'll fight tooth and nail to keep control. Hmm. And just like the water came from up under, from under the altar, we must live daily under the weight of what the altar represents for us. And the reason I say that is because it has, there has to be an acknowledgement of what's afforded to you. There should be a pressure on your life to that you're, you're, you're carrying something greater than yourself. 
The Lord, you're a vessel. Your whole purpose in this life in Christ is to be transformed, to be a vessel to hold His glory, to be a revival of self so that you can bring revival to your neighbor. Amen. Right? You know, the Lord really started speaking to me about different things in the last few weeks. Talking to me about the, the, the speaking to me of the, the parable of the talents and the parables of the sowers and those who will reap 30, 60, or 100. You know, the, the, the talents, the talents is the gift that he's given to you. Are you, did you go from a conversion place to a committed place, meaning you took what he gave to you and you doubled it? Or tripled it and I don't mean winning souls I mean did you die three times better than you lived or did you die half as better where you only got one return on the investment God gave you you know what I'm saying I'm not talking about working I'm not talking about conviction I'm talking about transformation Amen. Christianity is a process it is not a club it's an individual's lifestyle to transform into the glorious image of their Savior the greatest thing is that God the Father already sees you in the image of His Son. Why? Because blood shed. There's a new veil. God now has a new set of specs. And when He puts them on, He sees Jesus. Amen. We have to start seeing that too. Amen? See, we have to feel the weight of that altar because that helps us be fresh every day. Fresh, something fresh coming from us. Fresh flowing out of us. We're not hoarders and eating and consuming everything God gives us. You know, I've, I've heard a lot of good words over the years on eating your seed. You know, that was something people had to learn to do, not to do when they came across from England to, to the New World. It's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. You might run out of food. The rats might eat everything. The bread might spoil. But don't eat all your seed because, you know, you can take seed and just cook it in a pan and eat it. It will give you nourishment. And there was times where people perished or times where colonies failed because people didn't know how to manage what, they, what God gave them. Naturally and spiritually. Luke, number, uh, Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, And then he, Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. In Galatians 2, 20, it says, Paul says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God. That's a tough one. By trusting in, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the river of God's presence and power starts at the altar. And the depths of the work of the cross at the altar determines the depth and the width and the force and the power of the river through you. God is transforming you to be a bigger pipeline of his glory to be released. Does that make sense? Amen. The process of what, what, he, what is, what is the, the, the plan that God has for all humanity and has since Jesus was, was ascended to heaven is that mankind would be bigger. That his followers would be broader. That they would be fatter in him. That they would be sustained in him. That you may start out as a quarter inch pipe. And then by the end of it all, you're, you're, you're a three foot conduit of his glory. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's his design. That's what Jesus kept trying to tell his followers. It is not about any of these things. It's about the spirit. Yeah. 
It's about the spirit. It's about the spirit. And that's not spooky spirit and it's not charismania. It's none of those things. It's letting go of yourself and allowing the spirit of God to navigate you through life. Amen? It doesn't take away your individuality. It doesn't take away your profession. It doesn't take away anything. It just makes you bigger to hold more of him and to allow him to steer your life. See, it's really about letting go and allowing God to mold you and shape you and fashion you. And that's why I said, when we sing those songs, think it not strange when the world falls apart around you. Right? You asked for it. See, the deeper Ezekiel went into the river, the bigger the river got. In other words, the more Ezekiel died, the more the river of God's life could flow through him or flow around him. The deeper his flesh went down, the stronger the flow of the river came. See, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. There's more. Who said it? Was it James? Was it Sean? Was it both of you? There's more. It's deeper and it's wider and it's more infinite than any of us could ever have imagined. See, this Christian life is progressive. It's progressive in death and it's progressive in life, naturally and spiritually. Amen? It doesn't matter how mature you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how anointed you are. The truth is, Christian life is not automatic. It's not automatic. You didn't come to the altar one day and say, I got my ticket. I got Willy Wonka's magic ticket, the golden ticket. No. You entered into a process of change. It wasn't designed by God to be comfortable or to promote complacency. It also wasn't designed of God to be painful and pitiful and miserable and hurtful and scourging yourself for the, your sinful thoughts and all that. That's ridiculous. His love is so much greater than that. Amen. Right? You have to choose to get up and to get moving. You had to choose to come to church this morning. Right? You have to choose to let go of what's comfortable and what's convenient and what's familiar. You have to choose to boldly and aggressively press and stretch yourself out to go deeper. The Lord told me this one time and I was at the altar. I haven't thought about this in 15 years. I was, I was, I was having a time with God. Just, you know, there's, there's many times where there's no answer for anything. It's just what you needed at the time. Has God ever done surgery on you in a time of, of time where you've needed it? And you've been in a place where everyone around you thinks that you're out of your mind, but God's doing something. He cut me open one morning. And he began to speak to me. And he said, I want to take you higher. But in order to go higher, you have to go deeper. What does that mean? <laughs> At the time, I thought, I didn't want to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen, because you never know what that means, right? The power of your profession. I just said, oh, you want me to go higher, right? You want me to soar on wings as eagles, but there's also a depth understanding God and his heart and his nature and who he is and how he functions. See, the high parts are always good because that's the lofty stuff. We're sailing around, surfing on clouds with Jesus. And then when we go into the depths, the depths. Hallelujah. 
You have to choose to sanctify, to sanctify yourself from this world and live a holier life. You know, there is a, you have to make effort. I have to make effort to, to be like Jesus to my wife when I don't want to be. And so does she. Yeah? That's everybody can profess that. You have to determine to be holier. You have to determine to be cleaner. You have to determine in yourself to do these things. They're principles. They're exercises. They're working out. And eventually you start feeling good. I like being nice. I like the fruit of being nice. Right? Yeah. <coughs> You have to choose to first seek the kingdom of God. And you have to first choose to seek his righteousness. And then when we do that, when that be becomes our face focused as flint, then all of those things start getting put in their proper place. And fears and woes and calamities, they all kind of get properly settled out to where you have a better perspective and you're, a little, you're more on top of it. See, God likes to help us help, us help ourselves, you know. You have to choose to lay aside every weight of sin that so easily besets us. Going to church doesn't make you holy any more than parking your old clunker under a Cadillac sign and calling it a Cadillac, right? Coming to church doesn't make you a follower of Christ. Following Christ makes you a follower of your Christ. And, and who's, who's grading? If I don't see anybody for a month here, I'm not going to assume that they've fallen away. They're just not been here. Hopefully they're closer to him. That's the determining factor. Right? Are you in his presence? Because that's why we come here. We just do it corporately. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. See, when you're going through a difficulty in life, my attitude is great. That's good. Keep me posted. Tell me how you're doing. Let me know how things are going. And if there's any tweaking in the prayer, it's like your doctor. You feel crummy and the guy's talking to you like, well, we're going to up this and we're going to down that and I want you to start doing this. Okay, well... Good, good seeing you. Bye-bye. See you next time. And you still feel crummy, right? <laughs> See, we have to make our life in Christ happen with Him. Right. With Him. Right. I'm sure many of us can profess living, living a life for the devil. I was good at it. I was real good at it. In a lot of ways, I still am. Sorry, I'm just being honest. On camera, I'm just still being honest. My flesh still has power every now and again but there comes a place where I no longer even think that I can or be or would or should anything that revolved around being that old man Amen. it doesn't mean I forget about who he is kind of look at him like an older brother or a, a, a twin brother who went, went astray right I don't hang up on the old man I'm not getting hung up on the, the things that God or that I was allowed to do right in this life. See, when you're not going through it, or when you're going through it, it means that you're still in the fight. Amen? It means that you're still not dead. It means that you haven't been conquered. And it means that there is uh, still the possibility of you possessing everything God had promised. It's never too late. It doesn't matter how old you are. Now, I want us to do something this morning because, like I said, our professions of faith, our words of professions, our declarations over ourselves are powerful. And I'm going to teach you something right now. I'm going to teach you to prophesy to each other. Amen. And you can just repeat after me. That's okay. Because prophesying to one, one another only means I'm going to speak the truth to each other of God's purpose in life for you. And it's already been written in the scriptures anyways. Amen? 
So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to go where I've never gone before. And I'm going to see what I've never seen before. I'm not joking. You better be meaning what you're saying. I'm not just filling your mouth with words. If you want it and you're saying it, then you're going to change. And that's why we just don't speak dumb things over ourselves or, sorry, foolish things. I'm no good. I'm this or that. You know, I, I, I can't self-loathe. I can't hate my physical this or that. I can't. I won't. I refuse to. Old tapes. I like that. Yeah, the old uh, recall, right? And I'm going to hear things I've never heard before. I'm going to feel things I've never felt before. I'm going to do what I've never done before. I'm stepping into a new level of anointing. Come on, I don't hear you saying it. You need to be saying those things. Now, if you don't want to say them, that's fine. I'm saying them. I have to. I have nowhere else to go. (laughs) Isn't that what the apostles told Jesus? They've all left. Where are we supposed to go? We have nowhere else to go. Who has the words of life? Yeah, who else? We, what, what can we do for ourselves that you have not afforded to us or shown us in these months? Where I'm going, I've never, I've, what I'm going to do, I've never done before. I'm stepping into a new level of anointing. I'm changing addresses. Sickness and disease can't go where I'm going. Poverty and lack can't go where I'm going. And fear and anxiety and stress can't go where I'm going. You see, because those are things that are fallen. They are part of fallen nature. They are fallen ideas. They are part of a fallen world. They can't go where the Jesus is. You have to leave them behind. It's luggage. You know, I always feel so bad for the, for the rich young ruler because he did everything. And Jesus acknowledged, oh, you've done everything. But there's one more thing that you're hanging your hat on. And if you let that go, then you're going, to have, you're going to have more faith than any of these guys. And the guy couldn't do it. He couldn't let go of his money. It wasn't because it was money. Because that's where he was at. See, Ezekiel reached the place where it was too deep to walk anymore. To go any further, he had to swim because this was the place that we call Transition. This is a place where he's going from a place of stability to a place of uncontrollability. Amen? This happens when you reach this place. It's the place of decision. Am I jumping in? Am I jumping out? Am I going deeper? Am I not? Am I going to cry? Am I not? Am I going to raise my hands or am I not? Am I going to look foolish in front of all these strangers? I don't even know what Jesus is. Or am I not? See, up to this point, him still being in control, we call that our agenda. We say, that's far enough, Lord. I like it right here. I like, I'm an American. I like to dip my toe in. I like to get a taster. I like to have a sample. Lord, can I have a sample? I'm an American Christian. I, I do and I don't. Yes and no. Extra helping here. Abstaining from that there. Don't raise my hands. Tongues, don't need them. You know, I, and, and to each his own. But this all paints a picture of where we are. Amen? See, the river represents the flow of the Holy Spirit. Going with the current of the river means that you are surrendered. Amen? And yielded to the will and the plan of the Holy Spirit. See, many people will never make this transition. 
Many won't. Many haven't for millennia. Many won't leave this place. I like it right here. There were those, the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, there were those that made a decision and a determination of heart that, nope, like it right here. I got lots of stuff to eat. The water's clean. There's no enemies around. I could let my sheep pasture in these nice, green, luscious hills. I'm staying. And they left. And the Bible says that they were utterly destroyed. That means not just that they were killed. That's the easy part. They were utterly destroyed. Their inheritance was forfeited. They forfeited their inheritance because they wouldn't trust God. Didn't mean to be a downer. See, this is where the Holy Spirit decides the when and the where and the how far and the how fast you'll go. Once we surrender, we don't determine where the current takes us. We're living by faith. We're living by faith. Your only support is the Holy Spirit. The buoyancy of keeping you afloat and keeping you moving. Amen? This means you'll, you'll have left the land of the logic or you left the land of reasoning. And you're now in the dimension where faith alone is keeping you. Everything you do is just uh, what is necessary to stay in the flow of the Spirit. Right? As I said earlier, many people never make this transition. And the main reason is that they're afraid. They don't know what to expect. And they're afraid of losing control. I don't want to be under the power of the Spirit. I don't, I don't want to relinquish myself. To, no way, not me. No way, not me. And he's, honor, he's honoring. He's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. There's no possession in the church. That's not people being possessed by spirits. That's ridiculous. Now, I've seen things, and I can tell you plenty of stories about things that were not of God that I knew were supernatural, and they had my, at times... And if you ever think about hearing the term knees knocking, I can profess it is real. It's a reality. When your brain is firing off fight or flight uh, signals and you're fighting in Jesus' name and all of a sudden your physical body is manifesting the fact that you're scared. Anyway. See, at this point of transition, something happens. And up until this point, Ezekiel is in the river and he is experiencing the increasingly intense, uh, the intensity of the current, but he's still in control of where he goes, when he goes, and how far he goes. Amen? He's into his feet and then he's into, to his, up to his knees, right? In other words, he still watches what he wants to watch. He still listens to what he wants to listen to and he goes where he wants to go. I've had enough of that. I don't like that about the Lord. Don't, don't do that. Oh, I come late for worship. <laughs> Too many songs. They play the fast ones. They hurt my ears. I mean, what, for whatever reason, I'm not, I'm not downing anybody. I'm just, we can come up with every reason under the sun. I like this and I don't like that instead of just saying, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. You know what we should do one, some weekend on some Sunday? Have, a, uh, have an entirely different ethnic background leading worship. Central American, Spanish-led worship, fiery, on fire, exciting, exuberant. Uh, you, don't you don't understand one word. 
You know what? Those are some of the best worship services I've ever been in. So, and you don't understand anything? All you got is you and him. That's it. So in spite of the increasing intensity of the current of the spirit coming upon him, his feet are still in charge. But once he hits the point of transition, there's no resistance. Now he's moving and in total harmony with the river. Amen? Now he, will, uh, now he is swallowed up by the will of the Holy Spirit. He is enveloped by the work of the Spirit. In other words, the river didn't take Ezekiel. The river didn't swoop him up. Oh, I don't want to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. He might do something goofy. <laughs> now the devil's, I mean, the, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he'll go as far as you want to go. He'll pull you down as deep as you want to go. I was thinking about this before the transition time. And I was thinking about the Song of Solomon. When the beloved, who is the Lord, he's calling for the Shulamite woman to come forth and, and meet him. And she's already gone to bed. And for Jewish people, it was very common for that time, and maybe still is. I don't know. I'm not Jewish. I don't know if I wash my feet before bed. But in a world where it was a lot of dust and dirt, they at least got into bed with clean feet. I don't blame them. That's, that's pretty good. So she, her excuse was that I, don't, I can't come to you because I've already washed. I'm already in bed. And he fragranced, it says that he fragranced his perfumes on the lattice. And it beckoned her to come out. And so she then began to follow him through the streets. And she ends up getting caught by the guards of the city. And they beat her. And it is so indicative of who you are in Christ. Christ calls to you to come. And it doesn't matter if you're in bed or not. He's beckoning you and he's... His perfume, it says he would smear, he would smear his perfume on the lattice of the city of around about her dwelling place. And it drew her. She had to go to him. So then, then she couldn't find him. But what she did find were the guards. And they beat her. So much of what we are the life of who you are as a Christian. That man, Jesus beckons you to be with him. And when we're not, we set ourselves up to be in a place where we could be persecuted and be uh, a subject. Amen. Sorry, I went down a totally different path. Now I've got to figure out where I was at. Again, that's what happens when you don't do this every week either. See, God didn't overpower his will. Every step Ezekiel took in the river was his willing participation of losing himself in the Holy Ghost. In other words, the river didn't take him, but he gave himself of it, and it is just as Jesus said, if there's any other way that this cup can come, that can be passed for me. But not my will, your will be done. Amen? Jesus had to make the same decisions that every one of you have to make every day with every difficulty. He was no less man than you are. He still had to feel the, the, the butterflies in his stomach. He knew what those were. But he had to press past those and stay in the river of the Spirit to bring forth the kingdom of God to all humanity. He knew what pain was going to be. He didn't want to go, he didn't want to go meet uh, uh, the guards from the temple to call him off and, and by you know, 12 hours later he was going to be dead. He didn't want to do that. So he said, Father, hey, if this cup can be passed for me, but, because if my will be done, then I wouldn't do it because I'm human. Right? But your will be done. Your will be done. See, the Lord's prayer says, let your kingdom come. 
And let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Once again, we don't think of a prayer as just words that we say that to bless our food. You're declaring over yourself. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Well, he's, he does what he needs to do in the greater perspective of the world. But you're really praying for yourself. Let your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Right? Because your story is different than the story you think you're living. The vision of Ezekiel is a vivid picture of the Christian life. He was conver from conversion to consumed. Right? We are, the, the purpose is to be, to see the Lord's glory, to be embrace the Lord's glory, and to be enveloped through the Lord's glory, through His Spirit, which leads and guides us in all truth in this life. Amen? From ankle deep to completely submerged. Far too often we let ourselves determine if we're going to get in or not. That transition, ooh. Or I'm going to get in a little ways and the water's pushing against my, my legs. Has anybody ever gotten into a river and the water's strong enough to kind of push on you? But who's in control? You. Then you get down. He says he was up to his waist. And now you're doing this in the river. Amen? You like that? Sadly, we often remain satisfied by staying on the shore. Right. Camping by the water. The babbling brook. It brings peace to my soul. Right? We're satisfied with being on the, sh the shore and still see many things in our lives that can't go into the river. We have many things in our lives that we can't take into the river. Because there's things about us, there's things that we still hold on to, there's beliefs that we have, there's sin that we still entertain, there's life that we still have a hard time letting go of, friends, family, perceptions, mentalities. And it keeps us from getting into the river because God can't be there with us in that. If you're in sin, he's not there with you. He's there when you're ready to come out of it. He's not going to be there in your sin with you. He'll help you through whatever is going through in your life, but he can't be around it. Why? Because he's holy. He's pure. He won't be where sin abounds. See, we... Start from saved, but we stay carnal. We start saved, but we stay critical. We start saved, or we still have a dirty mouth. We start saved, but we still have habits and hang-ups. We start out saved, but we still, we're still bouncing back and forth, walking the fence. We're in the water, but yes, just barely. The old man is dying, but he's still got some fight left in him. I go to church, I'm just going to get my feet in the water. I love Jesus, but my perspective and my proximity are going to be from here. Yeah. Just here. I, I, I don't know what's out there. It makes me nervous. Amen? Yeah. Makes me nervous. Saved, but a lot of flesh is still showing up. And forgiven, but we still have problems forgiving others. Amen? Yeah. Many are like the young man named Eutychus. 
Eutychus was listening to the Apostle Paul preach, and he was sitting in a windowsill in the third story, and his mind was so preoccupied, the words that Paul were preaching wasn't strong enough or more powerful enough to keep him engaged, and he fell asleep. And he fell from that third story window, and he landed on the ground, broke his neck, and it killed him. Well, Paul walked up and straightened Eutychus up off the ground, prayed over him, and Eutychus came back to life. And then Paul rebuked him. A lot of us at times are like Eutychus. We'll come in here, balancing our checkbook, cleaning our fingernails. Right? What am I going to have for dinner? Where am I going for lunch? Am I preaching to somebody right now? See, they're in the house. They're there. Right? Eutychus was there. He was, in the, he was listening from his window. But he was still looking out the window out of all the things that God had delivered him of. He was still focusing on things not of this world or of this world. Amen? And not of the things from beyond. That's angle-deep living. That's when we like to just be a part Christian when we want to. That just means that we're coming to... We're, 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 we only do this when we feel like it. We, oh, Mother's Day and Christmas. Got to bless mom, right? <laughs> Ankle-deep living is a dangerous place to be if you do it for too long. Yeah. Because every problem, every trial, every resistance, every threat of change makes you want to jump out of the river. Yeah. See, if you're always living on the river bank and he's beckoning us, he beckons us, he smears his fragrance on the lattices of our lives, beckoning us to come and follow him and chase him. You hear me? Yeah. He's beckoning us to come out into the deeper water. And what was it that you said between services? That the water closest to the side or to the edge of the, of the, of the stream is shallow and it makes a lot of noise. There's a lot of clamoring. It's not the Lord's clamoring, but it's just it's distraction. We're allowing us to focus on listening to the babbling brook. But if we get out into the deeper water, the big water, what is it? It's calm. It's quiet. It's still. Amen. It's moving. It's infinite. It's too big to make noise. It's too, it's too vast for us to hear. It's so great and so grand. So we have to keep moving. Christian life is by its very nature a life of movement and progress. And when you quit moving and you quit progressing, you start dying. You start a slow death process. There used to be the terms of, here are the terms of, uh, if, you're, if you're not moving forward, you're backslidden. There's no middle ground. See, beloved, there's no bottom to this river. Amen? It's unfathomable. To say it another way, it's incomprehensible, or it's immeasurable, it's endless. The vastness of the Spirit is far greater than we can think, or ask, or even dream of. The Christ life will only manifest through, in me, to, for, through you and me to the degree of the death of our self-life. You can only go deeper the more you die. That's why we have to keep singing these songs and professing those declarations because we know in our heart of heart that to get closer to Him, to be in a closer proximity, to see Him in the fullness, in the depth, in the width, in the height, to have a better perspective, we have to change our position. We have to change our position. We have to be in His close proximity. 
And as the flesh disappears through sacrifice, the Holy Spirit gains more and more pull, more influence over your life. And when people look at you, they begin to see Jesus in you and through you. And they begin to be drawn to you. Amen? Amen. Keep walking. Keep moving. Keep walking. Keep moving. Can I, Christina, can you come up? Guys, can you guys come back up, please? You know, I don't know where God wants to do or what God wants to do right now or where he wants to go with us this morning, but I believe he wants to minister to us. I believe he wants to get us out of our places of comfort. Through our places of comfort, through our places of resistance, from our places of where I'm stuck. You know, sometimes maybe we're just stuck because we refuse to step in. We refuse to let go of our baggage. We refuse to let go of our burdens. Just made me think of the Pilgrim's Progress. How Christian had a backpack, and the, the farther along he went, the backpack got bigger and heavier. His burden, he was trying to hold on to something that he needed to let go of. He needed to let go of. Sometimes our burdens, they're heavy laden, but the Lord says, Come, take upon yourself my yoke, for mine is easy, my burden's light. He wants us to step out of ourselves in freedom, not in religion, not in fear. Not in shame. You know, we oftentimes don't look at ourselves in the, in the best light of ourselves. But God does. He sees you as a finished, refined product. And so this morning, do you want to come up? No? Did you have anything? Oh, okay. I want us to just take a minute. And I want you to reflect on your own walk, on your own river. I want you to put yourself in, your, in the throne room because you have access. You have access. He's never denied any one of us what he showed the prophet. You have the sun, so you have the door. I want us to take some time this morning and reflect. Lord, is there any reason why I'm comfortable being ankle deep, even though in my heart of hearts, I want to get into the bigger water? Almost like a little one who wants to swim without the floaties. You want to get out there, but maybe that, and that's okay. And I want you, if you need help, if you find that it's terrifying, and I know it's, it seems like words, but it's really putting things into motion, right? Once you put something in motion, it's not going to stop. Especially when it comes to kingdom principles, the power of the cross, the power of the spirit. When we begin to let go of those things, yes, we crucify them by faith. We determine to give more of ourselves daily to learn and to understand seek him in his word seek him in their times of worship go deeper in him and it's in those exercises of life of faith that when the storms come when life comes when the windows rattle when things feel like it's going to come up off the foundation it won't 
because you're in a place where you're not depending upon those things. You're immersing yourself in Him and the peace that surpasses all understanding will be restored. Amen? If you need a bump this morning, if you find that, yes, I, 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 I do, but I don't know how to get off the shore, or I don't know how to be comfortable with the water pressing against my legs and my knees, or I don't feel comfortable, I, I like being this deep, but I don't like the water when it comes up to my waist, because it's just too uncontrollable. And maybe it's like, I just got to get off, I got to let go, and I can't, I'm holding on to whatever, Lord, I can't. If you need help, I want to pray for you. But I want you to come. I want you to come. If you want prayer this morning, please come. Come forward and receive, and I want to pray and minister to you. I want you to be all that God wants you to be. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, if they're in it for themselves, then that's what they get, right? Isn't that what Jesus said? If people don't care enough to, to give of themselves, then that's their reward. I don't want anybody to leave here. The life that God has given to me is only something that I want to give to others. If you need prayer, if you need to get over the hump, if you need to learn to take a foot up and, and learn to just live on one foot in the water, whatever you need to do to let go a little bit more today than you did yesterday, a little bit more than you did this morning before you even came. And maybe you're, man, I'm, 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 Belly flopping right in the center of it all. Man, that's good. Praise the Lord. But I want to pray for you. Amen. Go ahead. Is it light? I think it's also important to think about the end portion of that scripture where what is it accomplishing we're in the fresh water flowing and it meets the salty sea yeah. and brings refreshing yeah. so this isn't only about us it's about others and do we want to be a blessing do you desire to be a blessing do you desire to bring the freshness of the spirit everywhere you go just agree with Pastor Pat we've got to let go and maybe it's not a fear maybe it's holding on to something uh, of the world that you actually enjoy and don't want to lay down I know that's been me and probably will be me many times again it's hard to lay down those things of the world the world uh, the word says that sin is fun for a season and then it grabs a hold of you and won't let go so I encourage you to shake that off and purpose, no matter how much you think it's fun, enjoyable, you like it, that's how you spend your time, that's who I am, that's what you do. The Spirit of the Lord says, no, you are mine. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to let the worship team play. If you want to be ministered to, please come up and spend a minute with the Lord. Spend some time with the Lord. Sometimes it's just a matter of coming into alignment with him. So please, take your time. If you could just do a few. And if you have to go, God bless you. 
Be blessed if you have to go. God bless you. If you want to stay, please stay. Uh, stay engaged. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a power of agreement. So when we want God's blessing on the hearts of people, I just pray that we would just stay engaged and watch his miracle-working power. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this day and this time to be in your presence and to learn more from you, God. Not from me, not from us, but, Lord, from you. And thank you for presenting your spirit to us in such a way, Lord, that you're so palatable and attainable and fruitful. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. Bless the week ahead for each one of us. Bless us where we go from here today. Let us be a light shining no matter where we're at, God. Let us be a light shining. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name.